When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to episode 32 of Is This Place on Change? <laughs> that was really well done. <laughs> Your laugh made me feel that way. <laughs> I was literally like... The way you looked at me there was like as if a primary teacher saw me make something out of like macaroni and glue. Oh, and you were like, oh, that's that good. was really great. Well done. That was br- well done. Um, I'm going to give you a gold star. Gold star for you for the the intro. Um, what are you eating? Actually, I was going to ask you. Pineapple. Are you? Ooh. Yeah. I had quite a big lunch, so I just really fancy pineapple for my dinner. Amazing. I've got I've got lots of food left over from like date night on Sunday because I bought loads of snacks. So I'm just gonna say date night on the main pod. I know. Well, <laughs> love it. Love it. You know, whatever, guys. Um, it's what it yeah, is. It's the way it is. It's how life goes on. So yeah, so I've got, I've actually got like so many little snacks. So I'm gonna whip up a. You know, you get like whipped feta, and you have it with like you 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 put you roast like onions and garlic and olives in the oven, and then you add honey to the feta whipped, and then you put that on top, and then you just use bread and you use it as a big massive dip. Doesn't that sound good? I am drooling. I <laughs> know it's so good. I was going to make it on date night. <laughs> but I ended up not really? Because I was on a date. Because I was on a date. I was going to make it then, but um, I decided um, against it because it was quite a faff. But that's quite, a, that's quite a, quite a heavy meal. <laughs> yeah, I was at For a first that. date. Um, yeah. Have you seen all the videos? Like, I think it was when COVID was like first out, but like people made the 
the feta cheese pasta you put in the oven and you just roasted a big block of cheese with tomatoes and onions. Oh, yeah. And they just made it into a pasta sauce. And I was like, oh, my God, my cholesterol is screaming and I really want it. <laughs> I know. I love dishes like that. I'm, I'm into, like, creamy dishes, as you mm-hmm. can imagine. But- I also love, like, baked camembert. You just dip bread in it. I, I love that too. But see, the last three, like two or three times I've made it, I've made it shit. Have so you? I, I don't know how I was able to fuck it up, but I did. Um, um, so I stopped having it for a bit. So I'm going to save myself. Last time I had a baked camembert was in the the countryside in France. And it was proper French camembert. And we got proper French bread. A baguette. And we roasted the, the whole garlic. And when you roast it, it makes it into like really sweet almost. And you just squeeze the bulbs out and we made it into our garlic butter and put it on the baguette and dipped it in the cheese. <laughs> so oh God. good. Thing is, right, because I'm moving out now, because I sold my house, everyone, <laughs> which I'm excited about, um, I, I want to try and use as much of the shit that I've got in the house up so I don't have to take it to like my mum's or whatever. Um, so I've got loads of garlic and I was thinking I might make, you know, comfort, is it com- comfort garlic? Like confit. Confit or, yeah, I don't know how to, I'm not that fancy. But like, You're not from fans like me, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm not from France. Um, but yeah, um, I, I I might make that. But then again, I tried to make oh, that before and I fucked it up because I left the garlic in for too long and it burned and it was horrible. So I don't know, maybe I'll make it. Maybe worth I'll it. Make it. It, is worth, it was so good when we did that. Do you know what when we were in France as well? And I promise we will get onto the scary stuff soon, guys. Mm-hmm. When we were in France, I made I make this faller, um, creamy chicken pasta. And that's all you need to know. But um, <clears throat> it was, oh, is it Conchigli? Conchigli. They're like the big shell pasta, not the wee one, like the big okay, one. Okay. And I was like very specific that that was a pasta I want because you stuff it. And I basically like roasted some garlic, like chicken breast, and you put some onions through it. I put a lot of onions through it. I put lots of garlic in it. And you put like double cream, parmesan, so like French it. cheese, melt it all. And oh, it was phenomenal. And you basically put them in these wee pasta shells. Sounds really good, babe, so I'll not lie. I'm not explaining it very well, but it was really, really good. And we all ate it and we were so tired because we got up at like two to fly in the morning. And we ate that and we were all like so carby that we were looking at each other like, we need to go to bed. I can't move. <laughs> God, do you know, carbs really fuck me over though, I have to say. Like I, anytime I have toast or like, I don't have any pasta in the house right now because it, I just kept... I keep I make pasta dishes and I just die afterwards. In so what way? I become like super lethargic, like and just like mm. I'm. I'm sure I'm allergic to gluten. I'm sure I'm. I'm like the sugar spike almost as well. Yeah, and it's it's like I love pasta, like I do love it, but like I started having like gluten free pasta because I was like, well, I'm like my ancestry is part Irish, and Irish people tend to not like gluten for some reason, and it's like. Mind you, you're, you're not like that. And your grand is Irish, eh? Without getting into my medical details, I have... Do you remember I tested poly- positive for celiac once upon a time? I am not, though, I don't think. But mm-hmm. Well, I've got this mad theory. That's what it is. But basically, I um, I can't have anything like that. It's, like, so bad. It's so bad for my... Everywhere. So, yeah. 
Like gluten free. I think as well, like from like when we went to uni, lectures and stuff about it, and it was like the amount of not only gluten but like lactose that we eat as a generation um, is so much more than we need. Yeah. So that's why so many people are intolerant of it because when it was like back in the cave days, you wouldn't be having like three bowls of pasta. (laughs) I know. Yeah. (laughs) Get that bolognese on or whatever. I am. I hate milk by default. I love milk. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. Hate the taste. That's so funny because you like creamy stuff. Do you like cream? I love cream. It's weird. I love cream. I love cheese. But milk, I can't stand. I want to say... about blue milk? Because that's basically like cream. No. There's something about milk that I've always hated. That's so funny because I was allergic to milk when I was a baby. Mm -hmm. Until toddler. So I couldn't have milk. My mum had to give me soya milk. And as an adult, I fucking love milk. Love it. And I think it's because I've been... I couldn't have it. Do you know? It was the forbidden fruit of my toddler years. (laughs) yeah I mean you do get like that because I think I like certain sweets and stuff like that because my mum and dad wouldn't let me have sweets until I was a certain age like so I'm like that with fizzy juice oh yeah because they were always like no it's bad for your teeth but it's just good parenting but (laughs) no I'm like I can have all the juice I want (laughs) no one can stop me see that's the thing I don't like fizzy juice I've got karma cola downstairs at the moment which is the only cola that I like it's like and it's, I hate that stuff I hate yeah. it <laughs> I love it I hate it hate it I'm not a Pepsi fan I'm definitely a Diet Coke strong hard well I understand but um I also love kombucha as you know and that's my I said strong hard I said strong hard I definitely went strong is it stronghold my brain has fully stopped working Babes, you've been in the wards all day. You've been saving. <laughs> Don't blame yourself. I, what I did today was I did a few emails and then I went and did something. I packed up my most. I actually packed up most of the house today. I'm not even joking. It's amazing. And then I did more work for work. And then I, again, took a wee break, lifting all the big furniture downstairs. It's all in the dining room. I'm gonna. Do you know what I'm thinking about doing? Rebuilt, taking down my bed. So and this having my mattress on the floor for the last few weeks I'm here. I love it. I, you know what, I fucking love a mattress on the floor. Me too, by the way. And I'm gonna move the TV oh. down onto the floor and then bring my PlayStation through and I'm gonna play PlayStation from bed. Do you know what I bought that I can't wait to use? I just need to get like a cable to connect. I got a projector. You showed me. I love it. Oh my god, it's so cool like I can't wait to actually be able to use that I keep trying to plug my phone into the USB and it's not working and I'm like why um my former partner bought a really expensive projector for us to all use because we have a movie well, we did have a movie room upstairs which is also my office and I'm hoping she forgets about it so I did we watch <laughs> in classic us fashion did we watch housewives on that we did we watched <laughs> It was it's so good. Do you know if 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 she forgets and doesn't take it with her? Because I'll leave it, and if she doesn't take it, I'll be like, "Well, that's mine now." Um, I am gonna have in my new house. I'm gonna have a full surround sound like movie room. I'm oh my god, do it! Yeah, let's like not pretend that we won't watch Real Housewives in it. I'm definitely gonna watch Real Housewives in it as soon as I find a new series that I like. I, I need effects. I need effects. Yeah, I'm really missing that hole in my life. <sighs> I've been watching. I'm not getting enough. Like I've been watching Thousand Pound Sisters. 
I just I love the girls I really do but like I need housewives I need them to be shouting at each other I need the facts I need the facts I, I've been watching Jersey I'm up to speed with Jersey but Jersey doesn't have the same it's like just... I can watch I can watch old series sure mm-hmm. I want the like weekly excitement yeah of a new episode that's what I need um sorry guys that was a very long tangent to begin with to be fair it's fine I mean people do love it, I think mm-hmm. And also, of course, we will have a Patreon episode coming out this week if you want to learn about all of our sex stuff. Well, not all of it. We have we have cut it back. We will cut it back. Don't worry. <laughs> because it was, even by our standards, that was too far. <laughs> and also, we're saying our sex stuff. I mean, only one yeah. of us has had. General. So, um, well, on that topic, um, let's move on to this week's actual episode which isn't Ooh. about sex on a mountain <laughs> we had sex on a mountain who would ever have sex on a mountain i don't even like going I up like bear grills probably Oops. he is handsome though so it's fine or like anyone over 35 in scotland these days by the way it seems like <laughs> my whole instagram is just people firing up bloody mountains every weekend now Monroe baggers everywhere. Everywhere. I don't get it. I don't get it. So with that, um, now this is an interesting topic for me and I've always wanted to go up this mountain, but every time I suggest it to my dad or someone like that, unrelated to the sex stuff we just said, um, I, he's like, it's too big. You can't do that one. You can't do it. It's too big. Um, because it's quite, um, it's a, it's a very large mountain in Scotland. And it's one of these mountains where there's like multiple paths, which I'll get to in a bit, but it is quite a challenge. But it's going to be my ambition, I think, this year to try and do it. You can do it. I believe in you. Yep, I think I will. I support you in that endeavour because it won't be with me, but I do support you. (laughs) Yeah. So this story, um, I've always wanted, I really wanted to do something on it. And Andy from Spooky Island Radio, he also did an episode on this. And I'm sure some he of us did. Other... I remember I was talking about that in our first ever episode with Andy. Back no, in the day. We need to get Andy back on soon. He's I know, I love Andy. Um, we basically, and also because we're part of a big podcast network now, I, quite, I think quite a few of our other podcast friends have done this topic. But um, you remember when I used to go on about, well, in one of our early episodes, loads of times I've mentioned it you know the Richard O'Brien ghost tape Mm -hmm. the one that like made (laughs) major formative years yes yeah 100% so this was one of the stories that was included on it and that's how I learned about it and that's when I said to my dad oh I really want to do Ben McDewey at some point because it's haunted by some ghost or whatever and my dad was like it's too high you're too unfit (laughs) so um one day one day I'll prove him wrong so this week's topic is Ben McDewey and the Big Grey Man. So this yeah. falls this falls into a little bit of it's almost like Scottish lore because it is more of a kind of like myth, but also there's actually been like quite serious documented accounts of it. Um Ben McDewey, and in Scottish Gaelic, it's called Bean McDewey, I think, meaning McDuff. <laughs> meaning Macduff's Mountain is the second highest mountain in the UK and the largest of the mountains that lie in the Cairngorms. Is it, it in Macduff? Is it in Mac- as in Macbeth? 
No, Macduff. Did you say Macduff? Yes, it's apparently it's called Macduff's Mountain. Um, oh my God, one of my pals is from Macduff, and he said the only thing there was an aquarium. Well, I don't know if it's in Macduff, but I think it's probably named after the King Macduff. Maybe I'll ask him. Anyway. I, wish, I wish I'd researched that. See, sometimes no. you, sometimes you ask me questions, and my mum told me off this. She's like, Olivia asks you questions, and you don't have the answers for her, and I'm like. <laughs> Like, it's not a problem. Mum is so harsh. Or probably you, bad questions. You definitely you asked me something one time and you were like, you didn't even know the answer. You couldn't even tell her. And I was like, Mum, every week mum's got a little bit of kind of like, I'm gonna say I'm gonna make this comment. Apparently, yeah, I'm like, thanks, Mum. She she said something a couple of weeks ago where she was like, You say like too much. <laughs> I'm like I'm sorry, Mum. It's just my. Who doesn't? <laughs> it was something along those lines. But anyway, she's a lovely w- woman. Um, lovely. So the Cairngorms, obviously, as we mentioned before, is a huge mountain range across Scotland. It's part of the the um, what is known as the the mountain range of Munros, and they're called Munros, as I said before, because two brothers at one point in Scotland went up every single mountain and named them after themselves. Not the actual mountain themselves, but they named the the mountains of Scotland Munros after their surname. It's actually the highest mountain um, after Ben Nevis. So Ben Nevis is the biggest mountain and Ben McDewey is the second largest. Um, It stands at 1,309 metres high, which is 4,295 feet feet, um, above sea level. So it's a massive mountain. It's super popular for mountaineers, um, both obviously UK and international. It's a very, very long climb. It can take up to a day to get to the top. There's three or four routes that you can get to the summit of of Ben McDewey. However, for our mountain baggers who might listen to the podcast, the easiest route to Ben McDewey summit is to walk across the Cairn Gorm Plateau from the summit of Cairn Gorm Mountain. So, top tip. Queen Victoria apparently hiked to the summit of Ben McDewey on the 7th of October in 1859, age 40. I was like, what a birthday, babe. Um, About her experience, she wrote, it had a sublime and solemn effect, so wild, so solitary. No one but ourselves and our little party there. I had a little whiskey and water as the people declared pure water would be too chilling. Thanks, Vix. <laughs> Such a Scottish moment. Also, every time I mention Queen Victoria to my friend Lindsay, she always goes, she's English. She's like, oh, she was a gower. Because <laughs> like, she was a shagger. Um, <laughs> she literally did. Queen Victoria had like 10 children or something like that because she just couldn't. Did she, not have, did she not spend like a lot of her life wearing black in mourning? She did, yeah, because Albert actually, he died very prematurely. Um, mm-hmm. I think in like, I, honestly, I think she was like 30 years a widow or something like that. And and she like, even though it was her first cousin, yeah, the royal family, that's right. Royal family, royal family. Um, she, um, she was besotted with them, absolutely obsessively so until the day she died and stuff, which I think is beautiful in a way. Couple goals. Total couple goals. And also... Um, there's a terrible um, illness across the royal families of Europe, haemophilia being one of them, 
um which is actually spread from victoria because like all of her children oh, really did she pass on hemophilia yeah <laughs> side note she she passed all of um her like inherent diseases across all the royal families of europe including russia obviously because of you know because she married off all her kids anyway a little side history note there for everyone that wants to learn more about that so the thing about Ben McDewey that makes it so exceptional is that unlike any other mountain range in Scotland or any other mountain in Scotland, it's actually haunted or stopped by a supernatural being. This is commonly known as the Big Grey Man of Ben McDewey. In Scottish folklore, however, it's called Amphir Leich pronounced exactly how I just said it I think <laughs> and it's Scottish Gaelic for big grey man also, really not leaving a lot to the imagination then I know it's a big grey man, man I love that though I'm fear like more I actually spent ages trying to learn how to say it today which I was like because I always think we don't do enough for Gal- I don't do enough for Gaelic on the podcast um it's a creature or a cryptoid I suppose which apparently haunts the summit and passes of Ben McDewey. So what does it look like? The figure is said to be around 10 feet tall, covered in hair with long legs, talons and pointed ears. Apparently it's compared to either a Bigfoot or a Yeti. Some witnesses also claimed the creature wore a top hat, apparently, (laughs) when they saw it. I know it sounds like a joke or whatever, but apparently so. Others have described it, and we'll talk about this a bit later on. Um, of when the beast appears, it becomes incredibly cold and like something changes in the atmosphere, and you can hear large crunching sounds coming towards you in the snow at the top of Ben McDewey. Yeah, cl- climbers also report feeling a presence more than they can see, so it's a sort of despair and terror and negativity can come over yourself. And it only comes for an instance, but it's enough to kind of frighten people that on occasion people have ran down the mountain because of it. Now, I can't blame them, to be honest. I know, can you imagine? It's hard enough going up a Monroe when you're pure sweating and you're like, can't wait for your sandwiches? And it's bloody, do you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you're getting pure, followed by a beast in the night which isn't great. gray man literally the gray man so let's talk about the first reported occurrence so in 1896 and i'll tell you a little bit of backstory about this guy and why it was so shocking that he made this discovery or this he made this report in 1986 1896 all right he was appointed professor of organic chemistry at university college um london um this is a man called um professor collie <clears throat> So amongst his other achievements, he was responsible for the first ever medical x-ray photograph. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was also a fellow of the Royal Society. In the climbing world, he pioneered many climbs on the Isle of Skye and in the Alps. And in 1895, he was the first ever to attempt the 800,000, sorry, 8,000 metre peak of the Himalayas, Nanga Parbat. He later went on to make 21 first ascents in the Canadian Rockies. So the point of telling this is that this man was high esteemed. You know, he was really well known in the sort of climbing community. And obviously as a scientist, you think basically he bases everything on logic and what have you. But 
at this point, he was pretty sure he'd seen something bizarre up Ben McDewey. So in late 1925, Professor Colley stood up to give a speech to the 27th Annual General Meeting of the Cairngorm Club in Aberdeen. He was a man whose words carried a great deal of weight with his audience, which added all the more to the impact of part of what he had to say about an experience he had had while alone on the summit of Ben McDewey in the Cairngorms, and this was apparently 34 years earlier in 1891. By the way, who the fu- who was trekking up bloody Monroe's on eighteen in the eighteen hundreds? By the way, bloody hell! Literally, because <clears throat> without going into a massive side note, I've done a few placements up like near the Cairngorms, mm-hmm. and they were like, "It is so unsafe if you don't know what you're doing." It is like people go missing. All oh, I'm saying, like they have these little air ambulances that like you have to be able to land on like a craggy side of a mountain because it's so unsafe. So. Without that, without any of that, imagine how even more unsafe it is. Wouldn't be me in the 1800s. Absolutely not. Do you know, it's so funny though, because when we were we were going up a mountain one time and I'm not being funny, but there's always some raj that's also behind you coming up the mountain, but they're carrying like a carrier bag full of tinnies. Like that's always the done thing for some reason. <laughs> like Literally. I'm like trekking up with like my walking pikes and stuff like that. And there's somebody like with like 10 like... I don't know, cans of tenants going up or whatever. By themselves. <laughs> By themselves. see the view. Anyway, Scotland, so good. So he regaled. I was returning from ca- the cairn on the summit in a mist, um, in a mist, when I began to think I heard something else than merely the noise of my own footsteps. For every few steps I took, I heard a crunch and then another crunch as if someone was walking after me, but taking steps steps three or four times the length of my own I said to myself this is nonsense I listened and I heard it again but could see nothing in the mist as I walked on and in the eerie crunch crunch sounded behind me I was seized with terror and took to my heels staggeringly blindly among the boulders for four or five miles nearly down to the Rothimurkus forest I think that's how you say it I'm not quite sure Whatever you make of it, I do not know, but there is something very queer about the top of Ben McDewey, and I will not go back there again by myself. I know that. And that was part of his little speech that he gave. Now, because this speech was given to such an avid audience of like mountaineers and stuff like that, and because of his estimation and I guess in the scientific community people really paid attention to this and it became like a huge press sensation um and it was reported all over about the gray man of Ben McDewey and it's haunted by some beast or by some huge massive ghost of like times gone by or whatever so it was extremely um well publicized now of course that's not the only um experience that's been documented up Ben McDewey in Alistair Borthwick's 1939 book about climbing in Scotland, and it's called Always a Little Further, talks of accounts of two climbers he knew who had experienced what by then was becoming the Am Fearlach Moor, or the Fearless Moor, or the Big Grey Man of Ben McDewey, as it had been mentioned so much so in the press and what have you. This is one of the stories. The first was alone heading over Ben McDewey on a night when the snow had had hard, crisp crust 
bueno, when the snow had har- had a hard, crisp crust through which his boots broke at every step. This is a quote, by the way, so this is how they wrote it. He reached the summit and it was a while he was descending the slopes when t- fall towards the larg that he heard footsteps behind him. Footsteps not in the rhythm of his own, but occurring only once for every three steps he took. I felt a queer, crinkly feeling in the back of my neck, he told me. But I said to myself, this is silly. There must be a reason for it. So I stopped and the footsteps stopped and I sat down and I tried to reason it out. I could see nothing. There was a moon about somewhere, but the mist was fairly thick. Again, this mist. The only thing I could make out was that when my boots broke through the snow crust, they made some sort of echo. But then every step should have echoed. Then every step should have echoed. And not just the regular one in three. I was scared. Stiff. I got up and walked on, trying not to look behind me. I got down I got down all right. The footsteps stopped a thousand feet above the larig, and I didn't run. But if anything had so much as said boo behind me, I'd have do- I had been down like a streak of lightning. That was the first experience. Oh my god. Sissy's footsteps, to be fair, I'd be shit myself as well. Hundred percent. The second man's experience was roughly similar. He was on Benwick. Did you hear that? No, what? My front doorbell just ran. Did it? Is there someone yeah. there? Is that a ghost? I don't know. Can I pause it for a second? So, so no one was at the door. <laughs> Can I make a point about that, by the way? Um, I I think, and this is like, this is a theory, and I'm sure other people have felt this as well. I think the house is an entity, because I do believe that there's like something in the atmosphere in the house. I think the house, because I spent most of today, well, intermittently through working, like packing up things. I think there's been a shift in the house and it's like something's going to happen soon. Do you know that way? Is it kind of like amping up almost? It feels it feels like, I honestly do feel that I think there's the atmosphere around about houses and stuff like that. And I feel like it's almost like the house knows that I'm leaving and you're like proper. And I know that's like super like thingy. But you think about it, I do rituals in the house. Like I do sage it and stuff like that. Like I, like I care for the house. I know this sounds really, really like, icky. You bitch. And I do, I feel that the house is like, oh no, Lauren's going to leave soon. And it's like starting to like, because Act it's up, like a teenager almost. Yeah, because it's only been recently, like the, the past month or so where the house has been like weird. Like, you know what I mean? And it's almost like, it's like, we're not happy about this or whatever. Like, you know, you've taken care of the house for so long. And I'm sorry, guys, I know the new gay guys are going to be fantastic in the house. So just like look forward to the interiors. Sure. Like they'll take just as good care of the house as I did. But anyway, that was strange. And there's no one out there unless it's like those wee thieves around the corner, but I don't know. Anyway, so back to the the story of Ben McDewey. I hope everyone's enjoying it so far. Okay. The second man's experience was roughly similar. He was on Ben McDewey and alone. He heard footsteps. He was climbing in daylight in summer, but so dense was the mist always with the mist again, that he was working at working by compass and visibility was almost as poor as it would have been at night. The footsteps he heard were made by something or someone trudging up the fine screes which decorate the upper parts of the mountain. A thing not, not 
extraordinary in itself, though the steps were only a few yards behind him, but exceedingly odd when the mist suddenly cleared and he could see no living thing on the mountain, at that point devoid of cover of any kind. Did the steps follow yours exactly, I asked him. No, he said. That was the funny thing, they didn't. They were regular all right, but the queer thing was that they seemed once um, they seemed to come once for every two and a half steps I took. He thought it queerer still when I told him the other man's story. You see, he was long-legged and six feet tall, and the, and the first man was only five feet seven. Once I was out with the search party on my, uh, this is another one. Once I was out with the search party on Ben McDewey, and and on the way down after an unsuccessful day, I asked some gamekeepers and stalkers who were with us what they they thought of it all. They worked on Ben McDewey, so they should know. Had they seen Fairless Moore? Did he exist, or was it just a silly story? They said, looked at they said they looked at me for a few seconds, and then one said, "We do not talk about that." So that was in the same book. There's another story. Always missed. It's always misty. <laughs> I think it is honestly haunted. There's been so many like common occurrences, but here's another one. In the 1958, Alexander Tunoin, really weird thing, wrote in the Scots magazine about what he had described as the strangest experience of his life. In October in 1943, I spent a 10-day leave, leave climbing alone in the Cairngorms. One afternoon, just as I reached the summit of, Ke- of the Cairn of Ben McDewey, mist swirled across the Lar Gru and enveloped the mountain. The atmosphere became dark and oppressive. A fierce, bitter wind whisked among, among the boulders and an odd sound echoed through the mist. A loud footstep, it seemed. Then another and another. A strange shape loomed up, receded, came charging at me. Without hesitation, I whipped out my revolver and fired three times at the figure. When it still came on, I turned and I ran down the path, reaching Glenderry in time that I have never um, that I have never bettered. You may ask if it was really the fair life more. Frankly, I think it was. Imagine also guns back then. I know, but I suppose if you think about your was guns until the nineties, it was the nineties they were taken. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's funny how the experiences are all pretty common, and these people aren't like you know, they're not like into this sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? But from all to say the same experience and stuff. And here's another one: an encounter by a man camping close to the top of Ben McDewey in 1940 was recounted by to the author Richard Free, who later published the book, which I'm going to read, "The Big Grey Man of Ben McDewey." After setting up camp sometime in 1940, the man retired to his tent. He was troubled by a strange feeling of dread and struggled to get to sleep. After a short and an easy sleep, he was awoken, sensing movement outside of his tent. On peering out, he saw what he described as a large, broad-shouldered, brownish, humanoid creature, estimating its height to be 20 feet tall. After circling the camp, the creature disappeared further down the mountain, walking with a what, walking with what the witness called an air of insolent strength. So there's obviously been quite a few like um, experiences documented up there. There is more, and if you go online, there's a few like sort of 
um youtubers and stuff that actually do the hike while telling the stories there was one in particular which i'll put in the show notes which was really good and he talked about a lot of his friends experiences although when i went to research this episode there wasn't like a lot of like you know like on the forums and things like that there wasn't like loads of people talking about it and i think it's almost like because it's like oh it's a ghost story and ben mcdewey and people don't want to pretend like they're into that sort of thing but yeah it sounds like a really good uh like campfire story it is but like I said it's because it's like been like people who you would think is being really logical that are regaling these tales you're kind of like there must be something in it I would love one day to go somewhere with you and maybe just sit around a like a log cabin somewhere where we can tell scary movies even for the podcast that would be goals why don't we do Ben McDewey there's actually there is it's a long path but it's literally uh like there's paths for like people that are like not proper mountain climbers like like it's a path kind of thing it does mm-hmm. take a long time but babes if that mist comes down I would shit myself and probably mm-hmm. like I don't know like run or whatever mm-hmm. so and I don't really say the right thing when shit like that happens I'm like imagine there was a murderer there and we couldn't see it exactly you're just like <laughs> no, so there are a few um, sort of scientific reasons to why people think this happens so th- there's obviously the theories around that it's like a big foot or whatever but they think it's more likely it's like it's being isolated on top of a peak or there's some sort of scientific reason for it. So a number of theories have been put forward to explain um, away the accounts of both of all the sightings that have been said to be of the creature itself. Um, one of the most popular and convincing um, is the uh, for the humanoid figure is the Brocken Spectres. Named from the mountain in Germany, where they were observed and documented by scientist um, Lutheran pastor Johann Silberschlag in 1780, Brocken spectres are caused by shadows being magnified and cast against the clouds or fog. Mountains um, with a relatively gentle, gentle slopes like both Brocken and Ben McDewey present ideal conditions for the phenomena to manifest, with sun shining on the backs of descending climbers, throwing an elongated shadow into the mist ahead of them. Moonlight or a torch will produce the same effect in the right conditions. People try to um, explain these sounds away to sort of like local wildlife. And many reports of the footsteps, shifting stones and other strange noises are likely to be produced by unseen animals. Fluctuating temperatures can also cause rocks to split and crack as ice forms in crevices, sometimes triggering rock falls and other movement among the dense scree slopes. The sense of dread and morbidity felt by many witnesses could also be attributed to illusions caused by cold and fatigue, while the remote, desolate nature of the mountain can easily conjure feelings of fear and loneliness to its visitors. And of course, with anything like that, there is the potential that it is a cryptozoology species or a supernatural manifestation. It's unlikely we will ever have a definitive answer as to what haunts the peak of Ben McDewey. If anything, many mountaineers are drawn to the Cairngorms as bleak and foreboding as they are picturesque. So as they do, encounters with Amphir Lachmore continue and the legend of the strange being hidden in the mist will persist over time, including for us bad bitches when we take our tenants up there. I like tenants, but yeah, I'll get Malibu. Yeah, Malibu tenants, love it. Like, I'll take the pineapple juice, it's fine. <laughs> so would... <laughs> yeah, like us with our cocktails at the top <laughs> with, that, with that misty cryptoid or whatever. Love <laughs> it. 
Oh my god, it's so scary. <laughs> oh my god, pour the martini. By the way, I actually saw the funniest thing ever when I went up uh, one of the mountains as well. There was this guy who was walking to the top of one of I can't remember which one it was, but I was really really young, and I remember I was going up with my dad, and this guy passed us with his wife, and I'm not even joking. So he was all dressed the nines like for going up a mountain, and I'm not kidding. She was wearing slightly heeled boots. <laughs> like I was like, what? How is this happening? <laughs> like high heels going up a mountain. I was like, what a commitment to a date, right? <laughs> well, I would never do that now. But <laughs> no, I would never do that. It's like I can't no. even wear heels to the end of my house. I I don't know. Right, I used to wear these heeled boots, and they were comfy. Do you ever have like comfy heeled boots that are like? actually not too bad to walk in but I used to wear them like me and my friends would meet to go for like walks around the country park and I would just walk around the whole country park with my heel boots on well from what I why remember why would I do that because it, it elongates your leg I suppose and it looks fabulous I didn't care about that I was going to walk with my friends now I'm like oh my god I need arch support I need Clark's shoes um, <laughs> yeah you want like really strong boots um so yeah basically I was aghast but that woman was committed so props to her so I couldn't find many um experiences that have been documented on the forums as I say but when I was on YouTube I noticed there was quite a few comments underneath so this was actually only posted a year ago um and this is by go one gortha and this was on probably the video I think I'm going to share online so when I was a student over 30 years ago I decided to spend several weeks climbing Monroe's in Scotland. Who does that? After submitting to Ben McDewey, I stopped to cook lunch and was aware of the hairs standing up on the back of my neck and a sensation of someone standing very close right behind me. I did the spin around and called out hello, but there was no one there but me. I felt very uneasy. Looking around, there was a spectacular view in all directions for miles, but I couldn't see another soul. After packing up, I started down a very long gradient rock field to the east. As I was walking, I started to hear footsteps to my right. I thought it was just the echo of the rocks of my own steps and playfully stopped every 20 or so steps just to hear them stop. Now, I'm not easily scared. I was a very fit rugger player standing at 6'5", Sign us up, eh? Um, but what happened next started to really give me the willies. The footsteps started to sound as though they were circling me as I walked. And after a few minutes of this, I could have sworn that I heard breathing. I was completely at a loss to explain the noises and assumed it was still the echo. After several more minutes, I started to hear the stones being disturbed as though someone was walking upon them. They were off to the side of me and were not affected by me at all, even when when stopped to listen. Now I could hear the stones moving. I increased my pace and in another 20 minutes of increasing the the sound of unceasing sound, they stopped. I thought I just scared myself. But sometime later, I mentioned it to a friend who told me of the strange goings on in Ben McDewey. If he had never told me, I never would have known and would have long forgotten those events. So that was just a year ago. Stuff does happen up there. It um, This is from James Hensman as well, also a year ago. It can be eerie up there when you're high and alone and the mist rolls in. You do start hearing strange noises and getting odd sensations. Was heading up Shamalane 
gap back in September in quite heavy mist and stopped at the top for a quick breather. When standing up from the rest, I was overcome with the feeling of total disorientation and not knowing where I was where I was for a split second or two. And a very odd feeling came over me. Very strange, as the path only goes left and right. And I spent years trekking on the hills, so not difficult to navigate this section. And while heading back down, I kept thinking I could hear voices up there. Very odd. I just took it as a reminder to myself, always respect the mountains and always be vigilant to dangers and just how easy anyone can get caught out. So give the mountains the utmost respect. Ooh. I don't know if I want to go in. There's something up there, right? There's got to be. Mm-hmm. Or do you think, are you thinking like the scientific like reasons could be? Probably about both. I think the last guy, maybe, if he was starting to feel isolated at the top and you start to hear things. For sure. For sure, like, I think that you can totally see, like, maybe seeing something coming out of the mist and being like, oh my God, is my eyes playing a trick on me? Or, like, hearing stones and, like, attributing it to, like, is somebody stepping on it when it's not? But there is some things, like, I feel like no matter how scared and isolated I was, I wouldn't, like, see, like, a big 10-foot grey man. No. Do you know what I mean? And like these these people are like, it's like the reason that it's so like the accounts are quite plausible is because these men are like, or these men that have reported it, and there's a there's a female that's also had an experience as well that I couldn't find the source for. They're like really competent climbers. So they're used to going up Monroe's, they're used to be isolated and stuff like that, and like having to deal with all the atmospheric pressure of of what's around them. But they still had those really I don't know, bizarre experiences that they just couldn't understand or give a a solid reasoning for. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's it's like our big version of Bigfoot. Yeah. So is it a cryptid? Is it just haunted by a mythical beast of some kind? Who knows? I kind of picture like a grey version of the Michelin Man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's right, but that's what I picture. Isn't <laughs> it? It's when they describe it as having talons. I'm like, how awful is this beast or whatever? It sounds really awful. But like, think about all the accounts of Bigfoot and like the Yeti and like all these other beasts and stuff like that. It's plausible. I mean, they're huge mountain ranges. Worse. Absolutely. And to be honest, if they're not bothering anyone, who gives a fuck? (laughs) They're not the worst people living in the the countries, you know? Exactly. So thank you so much. That was really good. I know. So that is the account of Ben McDewey. If you dare go up it, make sure you go with someone and you pack a nice wee sandwich. For your safety more than anything, to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm still dying to go up it. I would love to. I'm not gonna make promises. <laughs> did it spook you out a bit? Um, it did spook me out. Um I'm just not like a big mountain climber. I know I can't really be asked with it either. I say what something that I gain a huge amount of enjoyment from the views. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. But... What I was let's like... see. Let's see. We might want to. Well, what I always enjoy when I go up a mountain and come back down it again is the fact that we're going to go to the pub afterwards. Mm. Like 
Because when we went up Shahali and we went for a whiskey <laughs> and we got absolutely fucked up. It was the best. We loved it. And I felt good that I burned like 15,000 calories on the way there. <laughs> so you probably burned so much. Do you know the time that I burnt the most calories was in, um, I was in Rome and we walked everywhere on that holiday, the traveling holiday. And we walked to the Vatican and back to our hotel. And by the time we got back to our hotel, we'd done 45,000 steps. Fucking hell. That's I honestly good. felt like my legs were going to fall off. No wonder, by the way. Oh. I was like me in Paris when I went with my two pals and I stupidly wore plimsolls. In fact, it was ballet pumps. And I, and my feet got so sore, I actually had to stop and like sit for like half an hour. No wonder. I know, I'm such a dumbass. I can't believe I wore them. The guys were like, you knew we were going to walk around Paris for hours and hours on end. And I was like, I'm sorry, it was for fashion. Fashion, <laughs> fashion never takes the day off, guys, especially not in Paris. <laughs> no, I, but yeah, I'll never make that mistake again. That's why, like you say, I wear like reinforced like trainers everywhere now. Literally. I'm like, if I'm going walking, I'm going to have arch support. <laughs> you need it, bro. You need it. Honestly. Definitely. But, but that was great. Really enjoyed that. And it's nice. I like when we have these like little Scottish episodes. I know. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And like I said, I'll put links into the cool videos that I watched with the guy who actually went up, Ben McDewey, and tells all the stories. It's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, and if you guys missed the chit chat or you want some extra long gossip, um episodes well go to patreon.com slash is this place haunted fill your boots follow our instagram at is this place haunted podcast and rate and review us really helps us thank you for those who have god bless you god love you kids and we will see you next week for is this place haunted it'll be my episode and it's going to be a ghosty one this time exciting no more true crime for a little while no i think i'll have to do the next true crime episode i actually th- thought of an idea i was going to talk to you about actually so we'll talk about it later Great. well you guys can find that out in a couple of weeks what lauren's true crime is and until then we will see you next time see you next time guys thank you bye, bye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.